and you're listening to what she said right here on 105.9 The Region. I've brought Amber in and I've made her put on an eye patch. Arr, Amber. Arr, <laughs> Candace. I can see your other eye though. How come this might not work? Do you, know, do you know why I've made you put on an eye patch? Uh, I thought that maybe because you wanted me to wink at it's, you all the time. It's, not, it's not because it's, it's talk like a pirate day because that's oh. another day. Okay. I'm going to tell you why. Canadians have scurvy. What? Yeah. <laughs> we we still have scurvy? We do have scurvy. You're, you're How's not, my eye patch doing? There. <laughs> <laughs> so we have scurvy. Canadians have scurvy. So I'm going to tell you a little story. So when I first started dating the boyfriend, he actually mentioned I was bruising. And he's like, oh, you're kind of bruise easy. And, you know, he's a doctor. So he said, maybe you have scurvy. And I thought, okay, this guy's a quack. <laughs> scurvy is not a thing. But it is. There was a big news news article that came out, and Canadians are vitamin C deficient. So I brought you an orange. Oh. Um, so I have to look at it with my other eye. One, this is your PSA, yes. I think we can take these off now. Or, oh, or I'm enjoying myself. Oh, I know. It was so fun. <laughs> wait, till, wait till talk like a pirate day. Can you bring back? Yeah. <laughs> we'll bring hats and everything. All right. So this is a friendly PSA for everybody to up their vitamin C intake, and one orange oh. a day will do it. I didn't even think about that because I, too, bruise very, very easily, especially on my legs. Yeah, so there's actually some, some other side effects of scurvy. And so bruising is one. Bleeding gums is another. I always thought that was just like the dentist like beating my mouth up when I went in. They said, your gums bleed. Now I have two symptoms. Yeah. So you really came here to creep me and you have freak me out. You have scurvy. <gasps> Oh I'm God. diagnosing you here on the air right now. You have scurvy. Okay. okay. Help. <laughs> Help. I want to put the patch back on. <laughs> so it's not just a, a disease that have happened, you know, way back when people right. were, were boating. It's actually something. Now, and you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because it's not like we have orange groves around us and no. uh, things like that. So just, you know, one orange a day is actually enough to get your vitamin C up or you can get a supplement. So now you know. I, now I know. Now you have me all worried about my... But, you know, oh. it's, it's easily resolved. Okay. Yeah. I can fix this. Okay. So on the show today, uh, retirement planning often takes a back burner for people. I know it did for me. Uh, and, you know, you, as you start to near retirement age, you get a little panicky. Right. Panic pay. Again. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that was your nickname. I love it. Oh, it's one of them. Okay. <laughs> so Dallas DeCruz is here from Meridian Credit Union, and she is going to... We're all going to take a deep breath and we're going to reevaluate how we're going to do this. Because there's so many things you have to do in your life. When you think about retirement, you have children and you're trying to get your career. I started my career late at 30. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm trying to get my first home or my first condo or my first whatever, trying to secure myself at work. And now all of a sudden I'm retiring. Right. And sometimes, you know, life throws you a curveball. Oh, many. Right. So, so Dillis is here and she's so great because she just, we just feel much calmer when she's here. Okay. Yes. Uh, And then we have media strategist, Christy Laverty. I love Christy. Yes. And she is really spreading the message that women entrepreneurs um, need to get visible. 
She's right. Yes. Absolutely correct. So she shares how to do that. Okay. Uh, Linda Moss and her sisters, Sharon and Patty, uh, tragically lost their father last year to a bed sore, which you would not... You know, that's hard to believe, but it is surprisingly a common thing that happens with mm-hmm. patients in long-term care. I believe it. I right. believe it. As a, I, I, I was looking after my mother before she passed, and she, I, was, I was helping her with her bed sore, and they said, you need to very carefully look at this, and every single night... I, I tended to that bed sore. It was so important, and they made sure I knew that. So yeah. that's that's unfortunate. So they are they are spreading the word about uh, how you have to watch patients in long term care mm-hmm. and how to advocate for your loved ones if they are. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a very important message. I also have the lovely Melanie Cote joining me, who is a fierce advocate uh, for individuals with intellectual disabilities, uh, like her daughter Alma. Okay. And inspired by her daughter Alma, she is starting do good. Donuts. So she is going to training. She's going to be training um, youth ages 18 to 28 who have intellectual disabilities uh, for mainstream food, mainstream food service jobs. Uh, So, you know, it's such a great uh, initiative. Uh, So she's going to be here to talk about it. And I I just love Melanie. Fantastic. It is. It's a wonderful idea. And and also good food. Right. So. So uh, and we have Toronto based pop duo featurette here uh, telling us about their sophomore album Dream Riot. Dream Riot. Yes. I like and I like their their band name too. I know it's a cool band name. Uh, and every week um, the lovely and talented Anne Brody tells us what to watch and avoid at the movies, but I actually put her in the hot seat this week. For how so? Well, you know, when I Who bought was Anne Brody in the hot seat. <laughs> I, you know, I kind of I when I bought the show, I sort of inherited Anne. Uh-huh. But I don't really know a lot about Anne. Okay. So, I want to get to know her, get to know her a little bit better and I thought maybe our listeners might enjoy that too. So, she shares uh, some of the famous people she's met, who was her favorite interview, who was her hardest interview. Oh, oh, I'm going to guess um Oh, shoot. I can't remember his name. He's that mean. Act. Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, I'm not going to give it up. You have to listen to the show. It's got to be Tommy Lee you Jones. you got to listen to the show. I know it. So be sure to follow us on social media. You can find all the links and watch interviews on whatshesaidtalk.com. Uh, and you can subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify for our extended podcasts. I'm right, aren't I? I'm right. I'm not. No. I'm right. I will never tell. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So, let's get... A a Meridian 5-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. saved enough for retirement, my next guest says, don't press the panic button just yet. Dillis DeCruz is the Vice President of Wealth at Meridian Credit Union. Welcome back to the show, Dillis. Great to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. So some interesting stats here. About half of Canadians over the age of 50 are worried about not having enough money saved to fund their retirement. I'm putting my my hand way up on this one. 
An equal number yeah. don't have a financial plan. My hand also goes up. Yeah. And 47% of those age 50 plus believe there is a serious risk that they could outlift their retirement savings. Is also, your hand going up? Oh, it's like, <laughs> can I put both hands up? I'm on a roller coaster here. <laughs> People may be afraid that they don't have enough money, but in reality, they may not even know the true answer, right? Right, right. Okay, so what are some tips to avoid anxiety over planning for retirement late in the, the game? The first thing is to assess. Where are you really financially? Mm-hmm. And so uh, sometimes we... And, and I know it seems a little strange, but sometimes we don't necessarily know what we have. And so if we've had past employers, we might have had locked in RSPs. We might even be in a plan at work that we don't know. And so it's really uh, good to sit down and financially assess, where am I? What do I really have? And where am I from a, um, a debt position, a cash flow position, and what's my true situation? Now, that can be so overwhelming. So I highly suggest the minute you've kind of had that aha moment, that epiphany, is to find an advisor that you can go in and just say, I am not feeling confident in where I'm I'm at and this is what I have. And so they will ask you the right questions. They will probe and really kind of get a better sense of what your financial situation is. So it might be better than you think. I, I'm just saying it might even be better. It might be worse. Might be worse. And, and so, so the thing is, is that um, they will then help you get on a plan. And so before you get on a plan, um, what they will do, and it will be really good self-reflection, is to say, what does retirement mean for me? Mm-hmm. And everybody has a different version. So when you look at all the commercials, I always see all these commercials and you see, you know, people sailing around the world and, you know, <laughs> these big elaborate, um, you know, retirements, that may not be what it is for you. you well, might I think you bring up a good point there because, you know, I, I always thought about retirement and it would cause anxiety in me, mm-hmm. uh, not uh, not the money. Yeah. Uh, it, the, what it caused me anxiety was the not working. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because I, yeah. I want to yeah. work. Yeah. I, I can't imagine ever not working or contributing or doing something. Yeah. So I think... Yeah, when you when you realize, okay, I I, I obviously don't maybe don't want to work as hard right. or I want to have a bunch of mini vacations yeah. or sort of establishing what you want your retirement to look like, which doesn't necessarily mean that you're not working. Yeah, and, and I'm really glad you brought that up too because, you know, somebody was asking me, so are you going to retire at 65? I go, I don't think so. You know, but yeah. I, I might be doing something else. I'm an executive coach. I think I'd love to coach people, you know, at, at later stage in my life. And right. so, um, you know, and, and the stats are showing that people are from 65 to 69. People are younger now, and and I would feel that anxiety too. I think I get a little bored. So um, you have to really reflect and say, you know, will I be working? What does it look like for me? And and understand what that means for you. And once you've kind of landed there, when you go into an advisor, they will then say, okay, so how much do you think you need Mm -hmm. for that lifestyle? And probably your first 10 to 15 years might be a little bit more expensive and just you'll probably do more. You'll probably travel more and then it might taper off a bit. Um, And so once you sit down, you've kind of evaluated what you want. An advisor will sit down and and you'll crunch some numbers with an advisor and they will say, this is how much you need. So now they're going to do a work back. If you want to retire at 65 or if you want to retire at 69 or whatever that number is, they'll do a work back to where you are now Mm -hmm. and say, this is what you need to save. And then they will factor in a rate of return. Turn, I right? love this, by the way, because I use this to apply for all things in life. Yeah. Start with the end result yes, and work your outcome, way back. Right? What outcome do you want? Right. And so um, that's what they'll do. And then when you see the number, you go either, oh, 
right? Uh, or you say, I can do that. Um, and, and if it isn't overwhelming, then maybe you scale about what your expectation is. Or maybe you say, I'm going to work longer. I'm going to have a side job. You're going to do something. And so there's all these options. But once you know what that outcome is, they put you on a plan. They look at your situation. Even if you're in debt, you know, how can we now, um, you know, look at putting you on a plan? And now you have, you know what your outcome is going to be. Right. The other piece of it is, and I, and I don't want to say, you, you have CPP and OAS above that. You can't live on that. Mm-hmm. But you know, you have that. If you have equity in your home, there's an opportunity to actually tap into that equity if it was really bad. So you're not going to be on the street. There's some mm-hmm. options that over and above saving for your, your retirement that um, could be made open to you should you need to do that. Or maybe you downsize, right? So maybe mm-hmm. you have equity in your home. And then you say, you know what, I don't need this big home when I when I retire and I downsize and I take the equity out that way. So there's a bunch of things that you wouldn't have thought about. You can have this discussion. They can put options in front of you. And now that reduces anxiety because you've taken control. Right. right. And right. you have somebody helping you, somebody in yeah. your corner. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's it's the lack of control, everything in life, right? The lack of control mm-hmm. causes the anxiety. And once you feel like, okay, I have someone in my corner, I totally love that, helping you, and I've taken control and I know what my outcomes are going to be, it brings a sense of relief, it brings mm-hmm. a sense of optimism, mm-hmm. and you just say, I'm on a plan. I, you know, I know I can get there. Right. Yeah. Right. So... You have uh, create a pre and post retirement budget, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So pre budget. Are we eliminating fun or are we, <laughs> I'm just, I'm curious. Well, it depends on what fun is, right? So, so I, you know, I think there's a, the pre-budget is, uh, you know, a good proxy to say, could I, could I live this life in, in retirement? And so mm-hmm. the pre-retirement could be two years before you retire, two to three years. Um, this is what I envision my life to be and I'm going to live it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know. I, I think you have to continue having fun. It's just what is that fun for you, right? right? And so, um, and, and if it's going to cost a lot of money, then you're just going to have to save up. But I mm-hmm. think if you kind of practice what that might look like and right. feel like, uh, you probably would end up spending less, though. If you think about it, when you're working day to day, you're spending money on a lot more things mm-hmm. and entertainment and food and all sorts of things. Um, it might look and feel different. Well, this is where an advisor might, you know, point out to you and say, well, do you do you really need Starbucks every day? <laughs> yeah, that's an obvious one. <laughs> right. But sometimes yeah, we're so yeah, we're yeah. so thick in it yes. that we can't be above yeah. it to see, which is yes. where it's so helpful to have somebody, yeah. you know, talking to you yeah. and sort of pointing out the the things that may be obvious, you know, but you're not getting, right? Yeah, and, right. and you bring up the Starbucks, and we always bring up the Starbucks. But but the thing is, if you had it every day, it's at least $5 a day. Let's say you cut out one, right? That's $20 a month that you could just throw into savings. Like, just think about how you could just start saving easy cash, right? And so right. imagine if you cut out five days a week. Are you eating out lunch every single day? Can mm-hmm. you cut out a few days a week? And mm-hmm. so when you start, and this is just even on, you know, getting your whole financial, um, you know, life in order, right? If you you're sitting with a lot of debt. These are the little things that you can cut out. And then I like to talk about, you know, um, automatic savings, right? Every time you go and debit, mm-hmm. have a dollar or two dollars go into, uh, you know, your vacation fund. That's mm-hmm. what I actually do. I have several savings accounts mm-hmm. and I have, you know, um, you know, a dollar comes out every time I debit and it goes into these accounts. I don't even feel it. Right. Uh, I do pre-authorized payments, you know, just so every, every paycheck X amount is going to go to a savings account. So I don't feel it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the other pieces is that, um, you know, I always encourage it. If your employer has the ability for you to contribute directly to an RSP, 
definitely use that, you know. So these are all things you're 50, you know, maybe you haven't taken advantage of your employer's uh, mm-hmm. RSP program, taking it right off your paycheck. There's a lot of painless ways to save as well. But. I would love to do one with you on uh, a show uh, in the future about self-employed. Right, right. Because I think yes. that's a completely different scenario Yes, uh, where you have to be... Uh, in charge of that too, right? Uh, you know, so there's a lot, and there's to, a lot of great tips for self-employed as well too, right? right? And again, it's this painless way. How do you do it? How do you get into a group RSP? Right. Uh, a lot of programs as well on that. But I think at the end of, end of the day, I think waking up and realizing that you know, I think it's a good thing, right? That right. you think, okay, I need to take control, mm-hmm. and going in and seeing an advisor, you're not by yourself. You're not on your own, mm-hmm. and know that you have somebody to, to support you. And again, if your advisor is not making you feel good and not giving you that sense of confidence, find a new advisor. Find a new advisor. You don't have to stick with somebody who's not working with you and making you feel, you know, confident in your future. Amazing. Okay, so where can people go to get more information? Yeah, check out our website, meridiancu.ca. Type in your location. You can find a branch or advisor near you. Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my telephone bills? Can you pay my automobiles? If you did, then maybe we could chill. I don't think you do. So you and me are through. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Elspeth Hayworth's legacy of social justice and support for new Canadians lives on in the work of the Elspeth Hayworth Center for Women. On March 2nd, 9 a.m. to noon, the community will gather to celebrate not only the clarity of her vision, but also the strengths and contribution of women from all walks of life. Join us as we salute inspirational women from around the globe for International Women's Day at Paradise Banquet Hall, 7601 Jane Street, Concord. Brought to you by Own Financial with keynote speaker Tahira Naylor, a representative of the United Nations for the status of women. To RSVP, call 905-747-1515 or go to ehcw.ca for details. A new decade is here, and so is officially Big Brothers Big Sisters of York's 50th anniversary. Come celebrate with us at our Bowl for Kids Sake events. March 7th at Pro Bowl on Young Street in Richmond Hill. March 8th at Underground Bowl on Holland Street in Bradford. Help raise funds towards mentoring programs for young people here in York Region. Join us and stand up for young people. More mentors, more matches. Be the spark to ignite a young person's potential. For registration, donation, and sponsorship information, head to bbbsy.ca. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. My next guest is a media strategist who helps entrepreneurs learn to get visible in a big way. Christy Laverty, welcome to What She Said. Thanks for having me. I am so excited about this because this yeah. is something I'm passionate about. I I believe women are not going into the spotlight enough. They're holding themselves back. Right. Which is weird. You know, you, you were telling, well, we were talking about this beforehand, before we got in here, and you were saying that, you know, uh, when you used to work, uh, you know, behind the scenes producing TV shows mm-hmm. and things like that, radio shows, that you could always find a male expert who would be willing to step in. Yeah. But, you know, women would go, well, my hair's not right. I don't have anything to wear. Yeah, those were things that were really common. And, you know, you would hear things like, well, I don't know if I can be camera ready in that amount of time. Um, another thing that I often heard was, well, um, you know, I have the kids. Um, I don't know what to do with my kids. Right. And 
you know, it's a really strange thing because I'll be honest to say in the 20 years, 20 plus years, I never heard a man ever say that. And it's not to fault women, but I think sometimes you have to, you know, I'd have to talk them into it and saying, well, this is a radio interview and I need less than five minutes. We we don't get worried about stepping out into public nope. all day long and thousands of people are seeing us. And then all of a sudden somebody asks you to do, you know, a TV interview and you're like thinking about, oh, I don't have the right outfit and oh, my hair is not done and oh, I don't have perfect nails. And I'm like, well, you know, you're not unless you're going on specifically to talk about that part of it. You're a stylist. You do makeup. People really don't care that much. Mm -hmm. It seems mean almost to say they don't care, but they're they're tuning in and that journalist is talking to you for your expertise, the knowledge that you know about your business or a particular theme or issue or niche. It's not for, you know, that outfit, the hair. You have to get loud and you have oh, to yeah. get visible. So you offer coaching um, yeah. to to female entrepreneurs specifically. Yeah. And so what are sort of the top tips you tell them? Um, so the mindset is a big part of So even that. as a small business owner needs to think like a big business owner, act like a big business yeah, owner. Yeah, absolutely. Just as a business, really, like regardless of the size, you are a business. And if you've pitched the media and I'm a producer and I'm interested, then, you know, I'm I, something about what you've told me is resonating. And, you know, you got to kind of set aside those, you know, bits about what you feel are inadequate or you're not enough because we all feel that mm -hmm. everyone does but you know you have to really you know step out of that comfort zone and part of the problem with a lot of entrepreneurs is you know they think oh well I'm not getting the media attention and they see a competitor that's showing up all the time and usually it's one simple thing is is that person's asking and you're not right because it's as as simple as that if the media doesn't know about you how can they you know, come to you. And that, you know, goes into the pitching, but also, you know, social media. Are you putting yourself out there? Do you have sort of that online footprint? Are you telling people about yourself? Are you networking? Yeah. It's a huge part of it, letting people know what it is that you do. And that can be a challenge for some people. They haven't worked on that sort of, I don't know if it's elevator pitch, but really kind of getting that message. So you help messaging. women define that message then? Uh, I yeah. guess, build their elevator pitch. Yeah, and, and really figure out what it is that they're trying to do in terms of story, letting people know. I think it's important to think about goals. What are you trying to achieve? Um, but also knowing that you do have something worth sharing, that you do have knowledge that can help people. Because in terms of media, that's really what they're doing. They're entertaining, they're enlightening, they're informing people. So how can you you know bring what you do onto that platform. Yeah, it's about delivering a good story. Yeah. Right? Uh, nobody, like, no listener wants to sit and listen to a commercial. But they no. will sit and listen to your story. Yeah. So if you have a great story, that's what you need to bring to the yeah, table. Yeah, and it's that can be the hardest part for entrepreneurs to kind of get out of that the, the space because, you know, they're quick to pay for an ad, mm -hmm. um, not realizing that that media part is, you know, earned, but... You, Nobody wants to, to hear the hard sell. It's really about the information. Like they're tuning in on a morning show or reading a magazine to learn something to help them live better lives, to enrich their lives, their families, whatever it is. Um, so it can be hard for people to see the value because you're not, 
you're not sort of stepping in right right away and saying, hey, buy my stuff. Right. So you almost have to go into it with the mindset of what's in it for the listener, not what's in it for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's always about being of service to the journalist and being of service to the audience um, and, and not doing that hard sell. But right. understanding that, you know, they have a voice, they've got something worth sharing, and you really have to kind of step out and tell people about it. Okay. Okay. So um, if people want to connect with you, mm-hmm. where can they go? So... I am on all the platforms. Uh, website is christyalaverty.com. And on all the platforms, I'm Christy A. Laverty. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Okay, so you are there to help women get visible in a big way, and they should look you up for some of your coaching. Do you do, you do workshops? I do workshops, yeah. Ah. I've done some online workshops, some in-person workshops, um, small group it's always good to have a small group to kind of feed off each other, um, to ask each other questions and to, you know, have somebody ask a question. It can be hard when you feel like you don't know. Um, and uh, when you're with a group, somebody else can ask the question. You're not as afraid to sort of step out and say, yeah, I'm not really sure. Amazing. I think I'm going to do one of your workshops because you can never <laughs> have enough skills in this <laughs> area. True. So thank you so much for joining us today, Christy. And uh, we'll be back with you again another time, I'm sure. I hope so. Be a part of the 2020 Yellow Brick House Gala on Friday, March 6th at La Park Banquet Hall Markham. Live music, fantastic food, and live and silent auction with Lane the Auctionista and Dee and the Groove Factory. Be a part of our 15th annual gala as we will honor the women and children who have shown the courage and bravery to rebuild their lives. Yellow Brick House provides life-saving support services and prevention programs to individuals, families, and communities impacted by violence. Learn more, buy your tables and tickets, or sponsor the event at yellowbrickhouse.org today. York Health matters. York Region is a unique community with unique needs and a unique approach to public health. The fact is, investing in public health and paramedic services saves lives. As your public health workers, we focus on you. We are the front lines providing customized, award-winning care that makes our communities healthier. Contact your MPP today and tell them to continue funding the frontline health services that you deserve. Brought to you by the YorkHealthMatters.ca campaign. Now is Ann Brody, who usually joins us for Saturday Night at the Movies, but today I'm going to put her in the hot seat. Well, you're in my new boss, and we need to get to know each other. You know, I, I kind of, I, I, I bought the show, and I, I inherited you. <laughs> and, and, and Lucky girl. I, well, I, I am, but you know, I don't really know a lot about you, and you're kind of a rock star. Yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah, you are. Oh, you well, are. put that in the bank. Yeah, you're a little <laughs> bit of a legend. And I don't know if... It's if, only because I've been around a long time. Well, you know, I, I think that maybe listeners don't know just how much of a legend you are. So Gee I want whiz. I want to I want to know a little Your bit checks more. In the mail. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Well, I started early. I when I, my first job was working with Joyce Davidson at CTV and I had to book and wrangle her her guests and oh, incredible people Ruth Gordon, Garson Kanan. I wish I'd known more of who they were at the time. Uh Liv Ullman, um the Hobo Dogs, there were seven of them, each trained to do different things. And then I was, uh, I went to, 
into the newsroom. I was called into the newsroom because the boss realized that I liked films and I was given this entertainment beat. So it's that started and I've been interviewing people for mm, years. Yeah. <laughs> And I just said, that's so weird how you cut out on us when you were telling us the years there. (laughs) So, like, I interviewed um, Leonardo DiCaprio when he was, like, 12, first time. And Joaquin when he was 12, and he had a terrible cold, and no one would give him a Kleenex. (laughs) Nothing worse than a kid with a I know, right? (laughs) But he he came from a really loosey-goosey hippie family. I'm sure it's like, you know, it's okay, it's just natural. But, um, yes, I'm just... I've interviewed so many wonderful people, okay, and so I have hard copies of most of them. So one day I might do a book. You should, yeah. for sure. Okay, so here's my question. Who is your most favorite interview? Mick Jagger. Oh, yeah? And it's the only time I've been really, really nervous to meet somebody. I was outside the room and where you spend half your life as an entertainment reporter in hallways, sitting on chairs, waiting to go into the room. So I went in. And we passed each other in the hallway. He was going to change his shirt. I went, like, trying to get away from him. <laughs> and then we had the greatest conversation. He was so funny. He was talking about how great it is to uh, to to dress as a woman and just sit around and do nothing. I don't know if he was joking or not, but we had a great time. And I'd always said, if I interview Mick Jagger, I'm quitting. Well, that was like 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I've been very fortunate to have some incredible experiences. Who is the hardest interview? Oh, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh my god. Oh, really? He has a reputation. Look him up. Look okay. him up. I asked him I asked him this question for Batman. I said, "So, you know, you play Two-Face and it, he has two characters and I asked a question that I thought was kind of okay." And he went, "Well, I see you have a firm grasp of the obvious." Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so that was that. But he's uh, he's notoriously difficult. Okay. Very. Favorite movie? Either Apocalypse Now or Days of Heaven by Terrence Malick. Ah, uh, Apocalypse Now. I love that film so much. Do you much. know that in grade 13, when I'm totally dating myself, when we had grade 13 in Ontario? Oh, yeah. I, uh, we, uh, I took um, English and we did Heart of Darkness. Oh, for heaven's sake. Yes. And oh. so we read Heart of Darkness and then we watched the movie. And so coincidentally, coincidentally enough, Apocalypse Now is one of my favorite movies. <gasps> I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay. I went to the premiere in Toronto and in front of me was Truman Capote. Oh, wow. With the, all his boys around him. They were all dressed in white. So speaking of your job. I'm so happy you love Apocalypse Now. I do. It's my favorite. How how many hours a week do you spend watching movies, TV shows uh, for for us? Thirty to forty. Wow! And then writing, and then writing another four hours each week. So it's a lot. I don't know how you keep it all straight. I don't either. And do you find it harder now with all of the different platforms? So you, oh my god, I can't keep up. I can't keep up. There's so many. There's always new ones. And I'm doing my best. I'm just really picking stuff that I think people will like. And I'm avoiding stuff that our audience, more suitable to our demographic. So I'm trying to to really tailor it and curate it for them. Amazing. I'm trying. Doing my best. Thank you so much. You're a great boss. You're so much fun.
Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Do you know that there's still a chance for you? There's a spark in you. You just gotta ignite the light and let it shine. Just on the night, like the fourth of July. Baby, you're a firework. Come on, Melanie Cote is a proud parent and fierce advocate for individuals with intellectual disabilities like her daughter, Alma. When Alma was diagnosed with a rare genetic syndrome called Williams syndrome when she was five months old, Melanie started to look for young people with intellectual disabilities living and thriving in her community. That was six years ago, and in this time, she has seen one youth working in our busy Toronto neighborhood with a visible intellectual disability. And that just doesn't seem right. Welcome to the show, Melanie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you because tell me a little bit about your career up to this point because it's about to get a lot more fun for you. Well, it's certainly very different. I spent about 20 years, 20 plus years working in advertising agencies as a copywriter and creative director. And in that time, I spent a lot of time working with companies who had all kinds of great initiatives where they were making a difference for people in their community. And I started to realize that with my commitment to my daughter and having all of these amazing brand connections out in my advertising world, I might be able to do something that would maybe benefit both. Okay. So in a former life, you had a side hustle baking wedding cakes. I did. I had a side hustle baking wedding cakes in my 20s. I took a number of classes at George Brown for cake decorating and baking and parlayed that into uh, the opportunity to make wedding cakes for friends, clients, a couple of musicians who had been involved in some of the commercials I was working on. And strangely, that wasn't my first baking business. Okay. So here we are now. So here we are now. And we are marrying your marketing business uh, acumen. Yes. Your love of baking. Yes. And your daughter's um, intellectual disabilities into one great package called called Do Good Donuts. Yay! I love this. I love this story. I'm so excited. So let's talk about it. Tell me what is it and what was your inspiration for it? So Do Good Donuts and Cafe is a startup social enterprise that will train youth with intellectual and developmental disabilities age 18 to 29 for jobs in mainstream food service. So working with national hiring partners like McDonald's and Pita Pit to create space within their companies to hire our youth and understanding from those companies the specific objectives they need for us to be able to train the kids to be ready to go and be ready to succeed. Oh, this is so amazing. I love this. So you told me uh, before we came in here that youth with intellectual and developmental disabilities are currently highly unlikely to have a paying job. So what does their future look like then if they're not able to work? You know, it's a really sad place as a parent to know that your child may never have a meaningful role in society. And if you think back to your first job, your first paycheck, that feeling of freedom, you were out with your peers, you had a chance to build and grow, and then you parlayed that into a new opportunity and then another opportunity. But if that chance never comes, you never feel that growth, you never feel that moment where you are moving from being dependent on your family 100% to finding your own way. And the chance that an opportunity like Do Good Donuts gives 
really makes a difference not only for the youth with intellectual disability, but also for the family who, once the child leaves the school system, they have nowhere to go. So suddenly families are deciding whether someone has to leave their job to stay home with them during the day. Are they going to find a day program or some other sort of place where they can spend time but never really move forward? And that's what a job does for people. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So why is employment of these individuals not only important for them, but also for the community at large? You know, it's funny when you... um When you're in a position like mine and you find out that your child has an intellectual or a developmental disability, suddenly the world looks very foreign to you because everything you know about how things go is different. How is school going to go? How is work going to go? How is living going to go? Grocery shopping, relationships, all of those things. And if there are individuals working within the community, you can look around and say, you know, it may not be perfect and it may not be what I know, but it's going to be okay. And if you have someone and they've just had a child that's been born with Down syndrome or some uh, a preschooler who's been diagnosed with autism or someone like me who has a baby with a rare syndrome, you want to see a community around you that recognizes and supports and accepts kids like yours. And I think that's that's such an important point. You know, community is everything. And my my daughter goes to a really small high school. And in that school, they have um, a classroom for kids with Down syndrome. And... The way my daughter comes home and talks about these kids is just so wonderful. And they make her day. She is overjoyed to see them every day when she walks into the building. And they make her happy. And I'm sure that she is doing that for them as well because she's connected with them and become friends with so many of them. But she seeks them out now when she goes into the school because she says they, they make her day. Right. And that's so important for us as a community. It pulls us together. It really is. I think inclusion, people think about inclusion as making room for persons with intellectual and developmental disabilities. But inclusion is also the space that they make in the lives of the people that they encounter. How people interact, the speed that you talk, finding the small joys and things that you didn't before, understanding new ways of maybe making making a connection when it's not as simple as, I have the coolest sneakers, so you're going to like me. And In all of the studies of schools, they say that uh, an inclusive school environment vastly improves outcomes for students with intellectual and developmental disabilities. But in those schools, the outcomes are also greater for the students who don't have intellectual and developmental disabilities. Uh, Listen, you're you're preaching to the choir. I absolutely agree with that. I think that is absolutely the truth because I'm I'm a first-hand witness to this. So I think it's wonderful. So when we are seeing people with intellectual and developmental disabilities in the workplace... The same thing happens. Right. So that sense of culture, that sense of teamwork, that sense of coming together as a family is also improved when you have a diverse staff. And we know this. We've been through so many discussions about diversity, whether that's racial diversity, LGBTQ communities. We're all richer from experiencing things that are outside of our you know, normal everyday. And one of the few groups that has sort of been welcomed into that notion of diversity and inclusion are these young people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And it's such a great time in our lives because we have a really open and loving and abundance mindset for all kinds of people and their experiences, Right, which is why I'm hoping um, that Duca Donuts is really going to have that same welcoming feeling when we open 
Oh, I just, I absolutely love this. So you're doing more than just providing jobs. What else is this doing for these individuals? So when our individuals come to us, first of all, we will be training them for employment, but there's a sense of independence. There's greater self-esteem from having um, something that is their own outside of their regular family life. And also their economic outcome, their uh, physical health outcome, and their mental health outcome will be improved by going through a program like ours. Amazing. We're just going to pause for one second. Pause for one second. Everything's, this has died. Hold on. Okay. There's another. Oh, crap. I left the battery at home. Shit. I left I the battery home. Do with the lighting. Or did I? It's okay. Now we know we, it can't go for like too long. Okay. Without a recharge. Okay. It's okay. We're learning. <laughs> hey, don't worry about it. I'm. <laughs> like, I have I have filmed a lot of films. I'm. Yes. <laughs> normally, mine have large sets and big cameras, but it's the same deal. Am I talking too much? No. Okay. No. I could go on. No. <laughs> we only have like two more questions left anyway. So. Okay, good. I don't want to bore people with my enthusiasm. No, not at all. And I love this subject. I think it's so great. I think it's so important. I can't wait. Yeah. I think it's such a, I think it's I so can great see though. it. I can smell what yeah. it smells like. Yeah, I love that. I, I love your passion for the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. So funny that you mentioned Biddy and Bose. I literally almost put on that shirt and thought, no, I should probably shouldn't have someone else's name because mm. I wouldn't want someone yeah, to see it yeah. and then see that name and not remember my name. That's right. I don't have my shirts yet. Soon. Yeah. yeah. Soon I will have shirts. You have to let me know when you have them mm-hmm. and I'll get one. I'm going to have just a plain Duke of Donuts and then I'm going to have one that says Rainbow Sprinkles Can Change the World. Ah, I like that. Yeah. Right? Definitely. We'll definitely do, we'll put that up on our um, Instagram and everything when you get them. So is are we, are we screwed without that light? No, it's it looks still it looks okay. It's okay, like I'm getting some from the natural light. I just fixed like that. Okay. ISO, so it's, yeah. Okay. So what do you hope for Do Good Donuts and for the people you will employ there? My big hope for Do Good Donuts is that the first few years we're really getting to understand the training program and understand the workings of the cafe. And ultimately, we'll be creating a training program through that time that we can scale across the country. Amazing. And I love listening to you and your passion for this because it's it's infectious. You know, you're so excited about this. You I am talk- so excited about this. <laughs> I love it. You say you can you can feel it and taste it. You can smell it. You know, I just I love your enthusiasm for this. I think it's going to be a huge success. So where can people go to find out more information about this? So you can visit on our website at dogooddonuts.org. Okay. Uh, we're on Instagram at dogooddonuts.to. And on Facebook, we are at Do Good Donuts, and you can follow along there and learn more about what we're doing. Um, and very soon, you'll be able to get our Do Good Digest uh, email updates on where we are through the course of our fundraising, which is starting very soon. And um, there'll be a Kickstarter in the spring. Okay, and so you will let us know when the Kickstarter's. Absolutely wonderful. I, I let you know. I am going to let. Everyone, <laughs> and we are happy to, happy to spread the news. It's very exciting. Thank you so much for joining us today, Melanie. Thank you so much for helping me spread the news. I really appreciate it. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good to grow high interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. (sighs) Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding.
and accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. studio today is Linda Moss, who is here speaking with me on behalf of her sisters, Sharon Wilson and Patty Raperti, who are the daughters of Bob Wilson, who recently passed away June 8th in 2019 after complications resulting from a severe pressure wound. Linda, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Candace. I appreciate you having me here today. So your story went viral yes. when it first came to, to, to our attention. Uh, so tell me, how did this story evolve then? Let's start at the beginning. 2019 is a year that we're glad to uh, kind of say goodbye to. Um, it was uh, very tragic for our family, um, but there's a lot of lessons that have come out of that year, and that's for sure. Um, our father was a very active 77-year-old, um, avid golfer, weekly bowler. It uh, all started with a phone call that he fell down the stairs. And he was rushed to uh, Hamilton for emergency brain surgery. And um, we didn't know if we would ever get our father back. So it took months of uh, rehabilitation. We were at the hospital daily. So basically, my sisters and I, we worked tirelessly daily to rehabilitate him. And we started to see him progressing and progressingly well. Um, it wasn't until probably... Um, January, or actually February, when we started to notice a decline in his health. And we couldn't figure out why he was declining. Even the doctors couldn't figure out why. They've done several tests, and um, he was just getting worse and worse. Um, I would say probably late March, we were told that he had a pressure ulcer. And how we were told is it was red and irritated, and um, they're treating it. So we didn't think anything of it, and we went on to uh, to try to bring our father back. So a pressure ulcer, though, just just so I understand, that's a bed a bed sore. Essentially. It's a bed sore. Okay, yep. and that happens when you're immobile, so and you're not moving. Um, we didn't know what a bed sore was when we went in, and that's why we kind of speak today, because um, since our story aired. Um, and that's why we've gone to the media to kind of educate a lot of people on what a bed sore is and how it can happen. We're not medical experts by any means, but we definitely have learned a lot being a patient of a family member that's in long-term care. So when we found out that he, uh, actually we found out that he had the pressure ulcer, it was, we thought it was minor. Yeah, so we found out he was being transferred to, back to Hamilton to have his skull flap put back in. And we thought that would help him get his alertness back and bring him back. We, tr we were trying everything to pr try to bring him back. When he was transferred to the hospital, that's when they made the discovery that he had a unstageable pressure ulcer. Um, so much so that it has now gone into his bloodstream and his bone. Unstageable meaning untreatable. Untreatable. So there's basically four stages of a pressure ulcer, uh, stage four being the most severe he was unstageable. So I think the heartbreaking part of all of this is we we didn't know how severe it was. 
and we didn't focus on it because we the doctor didn't even mention it. And so you were there every day. We were there every day. We were there every day, and um, we didn't know. It's heartbreaking because we never had a chance to save our father's life. We never had a chance to work with the medical community, and you know the nurses and the doctors were great, but there was a lack of communication, and that's why we speak today because it's very important that hospitals or long-term care facilities be transparent with families. What's happening under those sheets? Right. You have to have that conversation, and we didn't have that conversation. We didn't know. And I think that's this is important, too, because it's it's not just the medical community. It's the families that need to know and to advocate yep. for the patient and to watch for it as well. Yep, absolutely. And then and within um, so within our learnings, there's there's four C's that we've kind of come up with um, that have helped us or and will help other families as well. The biggest one with the C is communication. Communication needs to happen week one when your loved one's in long-term care. You know, the next one that I, I talk about also is champion. That's the other C. We have to advocate for our loved ones. Um, the next one is companionship and comfort. They kind of go together. You know, may, is that patient comfortable? They're there for a while. So bring in pictures from home, you know, pillows or blankets or things that make them comfortable. And I think this is a really good question, too, because when a patient is not able to communicate with you, how do you determine comfort, right? Absolutely. So you even have to be more diligent at that point. Absolutely. Are they cold? Are they in pain? You know, certain looking at their facial reactions. My dad couldn't talk, so he couldn't tell us how he was, but we didn't look under those sheets. And I wish we did, because that would have made all of the difference in the world. Um, you know, we, another thing that's really important is to document their progress because it's kind of like the Drake song started from the bottom. Now we're here, you know, you started here as a brain injury and how are you progressing? So if you do get better, this is where you are now, dad, this is where you've come from because you don't remember where you started, but you are here now. We never didn't have the now. The now never came for us. And um, thank God for the media and media outlets like this that help us raise awareness and help us get the message out that, you know what, family, you can be there and you can do the help too. You can work with the medical communities to work together. So not only is it good for the doctors because you're their eyes, they're only there for a millisecond in the room. But most of the time when they were coming in to see my dad, he was asleep being a brain injury um, um, patient. So we showed them video. This is what he's doing. And they'd be like, oh my God, he's doing that. He's crossing his legs. He's shaking hands. He's, you know, he's got all the motions. So it changes their, um, we, we got physiotherapy in for him after Mm -hmm. we showed that. So you have to be their eyes, their ears, their voice. And that's what we did. Um, we thought we did everything right by asking every question, but it's up to them to let us know what's happening elsewhere. You know, he came in for one thing, but he came out and left the hospital with another thing. Right. So that's why um, it upsets us so much. And the that's, heartbreaking story. It is heartbreaking. Um, we, but I have to say you and your sisters have been amazing through all of this because uh, I know that when this happened, it wasn't um, you were positive from the outset 
Uh, you brought good information to people and you've just been um, tireless in getting this information out for people. And I think it's important because we are in the sandwich generation, yeah. right? So we're all stretched thin, uh, but the more you know, the better, right? Absolutely. And so most people listening to this might now might think, I wouldn't have thought to look for a bed sore. Right. And now they know. And so you are saving lives. Thank you. I think we can do better, all of us. And we have seen changes in hospitals. We've seen it. There's more awareness now in, in pressure ulcers. Um, we're, we're, the word is getting out. I hear people, I hear from people all the time. And, um, you know, we've become kind of a little bit of the face of pressure ulcers. If you Google Bob Wilson, mm-hmm. his story is all over the internet. Um, it's not what we wanted for his legacy, but I also don't want his legacy to be that Bob Wilson died of this. You know, I want him to be remembered as um, a man that has helped make change happen. And I think that's really important. And, um, you know, we we still cry every week. (laughs) You know, there'll be a certain song that'll hit. But I think for me, um, helping others is really... It's kind of helping me to heal. I try not to get emotional, but it's just, um, it's been a tough year. That's all. And so all you can do is just, you learn. I, I feel with every passing, there is a teachable moment and a lesson learned for people. And this has been a lesson and a teachable moment for our family. And um, we just want to uh, pay tribute to my father. And hopefully he's up there looking down at us and saying, you go girls and make sure this doesn't happen to any other family. It shouldn't. It really shouldn't happen to anybody else. Well, I thank you so much for coming into the studio and sharing this story. It is really, uh, it's a really important story, and I'm sure that um, you've helped somebody today. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. I, I appreciate And we'll put that. up Wounds Canada. Yeah, yeah. Wounds Canada is um, who we're working with. There's another great organization called The Angel Project. Okay. And they are amazing at going in and helping patients that are in hospitals that are alone. They are kind of uh, advocates for for uh, any kind of patient who needs stuff that we just talked about, comfort stuff. So there's two organizations that we're honored to partner with. And thank you so much for mentioning them because they do a lot of great work. And they've been um, instrumental in helping our family through this whole horrific tragedy that we're trying to turn into something better to help. So thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Always be your baby. Have a story for what she said? Email us at 1059theregion.com. What you're listening to is Don't Know Me Without You by Toronto-based pop duo Featurette, who are here in studio with me now, Lexi J and John Fetterson. Welcome to What She Said. Thanks so much for having us. I know, and you said you came in early for us. Yes, (laughs) for us this is very early. (laughs) So Lexi, you sing and play keys, and John, you play the drums, uh, keys and pads, and you're both from Toronto and have been playing music in different forms for most of your lives. Indeed. So tell me how you both met and formed Featurette. So this one time at band camp... (laughs) 
we started playing music together. And <laughs> no, really. The honest to God story. Oh, yeah. that is the best. <laughs> John needed help uh, in a sort of guitar ensemble he was setting up because he's not a guitar player and neither am I. And we started playing together uh, just to show some of the campers at the band camp that like you can do something that's outside the box for you, something that's not necessarily like your main instrument because I was there teaching violin and John was teaching yeah. drums and then... The rest is uh, history. We were briefly a folk duo that no one will ever, ever hear. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> but I honestly like that one time at band camp is the best story ever. Yeah, it's, it says it all. It's the whole story. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about the name Featurette. Why did you choose that? Well, I chose it because I was playing in a bunch of other bands, and um, I want to make sure I had a band that could do small uh, works, like three or four songs, one song, five songs, a whole album. It didn't really matter. I didn't want to have to have, like only an album to to release an idea and of course now we've done our two albums so you know so much for that idea but, <laughs> but, but the idea is just to keep a focus on on material so every song would have relation to the other ones okay so you just released your sophomore album dream riot for people who haven't listened to it yet what can they expect well, it is uh, super dreamy, and I think the title itself sort of encompasses what we wanted to say in Dream Riot. Like, it is, it's loud and out there, and it's giving its perspective, which is our perspective, while still being sort of ethereal and up in the clouds and very, like, featurette if you will. We sort of create vignettes. Each song is its own little land for the music to live in, and then when we create music videos to go along that, you sort of see the whole picture of what that little featurette moment is. Um, but yeah, Dream, Dream Ride is it's loud and it's uh, dark stories wrapped in sugar-coated bubble gum beats, you know? Like, oh, I love it. Okay, so what's coming up next for you? Uh, so we have a tour that's coming up. We're hitting the West Coast for the first time, which we're very excited about. Oh, you're going to love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. Well, I mean, we've been, but we've not been to play, so it's right. going to be really fantastic. I think we're hitting Vancouver, Victoria, Nanaimo, Edmonton, and Calgary alongside Blonde Diamond, which we're so excited about. Amazing. Okay, so where can people connect with you online? So we are at Feature at Music. That's our handle for everything. So if you want to hit us up online, at Feature at Music is the place to go, and you can stream our music on any streaming platform that you prefer. Okay. Lexi and John, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, that's it for What She Said. We'll be back again next Saturday at noon right here on 105.9 the region be sure to follow us on social media at what she said talk and enjoy the rest of your weekend playing us out now here's you do you by feature slip all the way down give up the flower ground throw a bunch throw a bunch give them attitude girl